and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. First of all, thank you to everybody who's listening to this podcast and however you are listening to it. Of course, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe because that way you get notifications every time we record a new podcast and that's the best way to keep up to date. My name is Matt Southcombe and I'm back in the Wales Online office after a little holiday as my colleagues have been calling it to Japan and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio uh, this evening by Andy Howell. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Matthew. I would formally like to welcome you back to Wales Online <laughs> Towers after your stint in Japan. All our hard work was the 152 articles you wrote. Something like that is. Our podcast contributions, podcast, yeah, videos, yeah, yeah. all sorts. Sick and tired of seeing your uh, face <laughs> on the website and your videos when you while you were walking to grounds. But I must say you did a sterling job and it's great to have you back. And you've come back straight away, straight into the big time again with Wales's first selection and a new coach, Wayne Pivot. Well, that's what we've got to talk about today. It's a big podcast. Thank you for that, Andy. And of course, as you said, Wayne, uh, Wayne Pivak, uh, now head coach of Wales, feels a bit weird to be saying that, doesn't it? But uh, he's named his first squad. Obviously, we've got this fixture against the Barbarians coming up. What do you make of that squad in, And We've got five uncapped players in there. Um, Ashton Hewitt, Shane Lewis Hughes and Tane Basham, three of them. But of course, uh, the big headlines really are the two um, New Zealand-born players who've qualified on residency and have been selected in uh, Willis Halaholo and Johnny McNick. Overall, you know, there's there's 22 players in there who played at the World Cup. What what have you made of of the the squad that's been picked? Yeah, it's an interesting squad. I think it's a pointer to the future. There's a few elements to it. If you look at it, there's a nucleus of the World Cup there. There's 22 players from the uh, from the World Cup, so potentially there's a strong spine to the team to face the uh, Barbarians if they pick Ken Owens, Adoka, Jake Ball, at Lock, Tipperich, and Moriarty in the back row. Gaz Davis, Scrum Half, Hadley Park Centre. The half penny perhaps at uh, at full backs. So you're still going to have a good spine to that side. Then you've got the newcomers you've just mentioned, the overseas players who qualified on eligibility. No surprise to me that either of them's in the squad. I think McNichol's a really good player, and it will be interesting. I mean, just mentioned half penny where they pick McNichol at fullback where I think he plays his best rugby because he's an heads up player. Typical New Zealander does the basics so well. He's got vision, skill. If it's on, he'll run it back. And what he's really good at is, is, is at drawing defenders and putting people away. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite excited about him. Well, Halaholo, as Pivak described it today, he can beat a defender in a telephone box. His footwork is that good. Uh, the other thing Pivak mentioned is other aspects of his game which need work work on. Namely, that would be defence because sometimes he's been a bit short in that. But what I've seen of him in the past, the bigger the game, the better he actually defends. So there could be that. So this is the game to, to, to have a look at those guys uh, because it's a non-cap international. It's a non-cap match. Mm. Uh, what's the, you don't throw them in, in the six uh, nations and, oh, let's have a look at them then. You have a look at them now. So they're both in a squad. So therefore, I would expect uh, both of them to be playing. Um, I'm also as well, I like these youngsters in the squad, Team Basham. Not, not just that he scored a hat-trick for the Dragons at the weekend, or the dra- resurgent dra- Dragons, I might uh, add, because Dean Ryan seems to be doing a good job there as coach. But Basham, in adversity, when he's played for the Dragons, and they've been in adversity a lot <laughs> in recent seasons, he's you know he's been a standout player. Uh, him and Aaron Wainwright, and we know how good Wainwright is, Ollie Griffiths, they, they've been standout players. Young men, you know, who Sean... Well, times have been really tough for the Dragons. Now, mm. Basham, as well, was Wales' best player at last year's Under-20 World Cup in uh, in Georgia. He can play anywhere in the back, uh, back row. He might need beefing up a bit, but he's a really good player. So I think he's just he's in the squad, really, 
to get the feel for that because as well Pivot is looking towards the 2023 World Cup as well as the immediate future so he's got people like him Shane Lewis Hughes a lot of people wouldn't know too much about him Cardiff Blues to me he's been underused by Cardiff uh, Blues 2016 Wales under 20 Grand Slam and you know they should have gone a lot further at the World Cup actually because they had a team that was capable of winning that World Cup Shane Lewis Hughes was excellent as a lock though the Blues have been using in the back row I think he's the future an athletic type of lock who's got to roam the feet, uh, roam the, the pitch so I'm, I, I'm surprised he's in the squad but I'm really pleased to, to see him there and then um, who else have we got there now uh, Matt Ashton Hewitt Ashton yeah, Hewitt of course Ashton has been around a few years you know he's in a Six Nations squad a couple of seasons ago he had a concussion then he's had serious shoulder injury but he is the uh, fastest man in Welsh rugby I think the times <laughs> prove that over uh, 100 metres and in fairness he's come back from like more a season off I think it is and with a shoulder and he's come back and he, he's sharp he's still got his dating and verb and he's got a bit of X Factor about him so you know he, he's got X Factor Alaholo's got X Factor and you can argue that uh, McNichol's got a bit of X Factor about him as well so uh, you know that points to what uh, uh, Pivik says they want to uh, evolve the Wales's game build on the strengths of Warren Gatlin and become a, perhaps a bit more uh, expansive when the situation suits on, on uh, McNichol and Halaholo then where do you uh, where do you stand on that whole thing it's obviously that they've grabbed a lot of headlines today obviously qualify on residency that always um, grabs the attention of a lot of people and it and it polarizes opinion quite a lot where where do you stand on on their selection uh, well I would like to see you know countries uh, eligibility rules if you're Welsh you play for Wales if you're, if you're Fijian you play for Fiji not that you play for Australia or England or New Zealand or wherever you know I'm Welsh as I can say the only country I'd want to play for is uh, is uh, Wales um, but the rules are the rules uh, this is the eligibility criteria it's actually been changed a little bit by uh, World Rugby going forward but these boys have already qualified so if they qualify why not pick them just look at the Australia team it's full of uh, overseas New Zealand still got uh, some England got loads um, so why not Adi Pax has been a roaring success for Wales uh, and if you look further back we've had other successes the likes of Emmy Taylor you know hugely successful for um for for Wales, so if everyone else is picking, why not pick them? And if it, I'm sure some people are critical now, but if these boys are a hit for Wales, people soon be backing them like they have Adley Parks. There is a, a quite a genuine question mark put in the 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 place of birth to one side and the residency that these guys are of an age profile where <laughs> they with all due respect maybe pushing things you know towards the end of their careers when the, when the World Cup comes around. So with that in mind, does it does it not feel like a bit of a strange selection now? Uh, not really, because if you look at the Wales squad, there's a lot of other Welsh players in that squad who are pushing the, the same sort of timeline for the next World Cup. Who are slightly older. I'm talking like the likes of Jonathan uh, Davis, Justin uh, Tipperidge. Will they actually be round for the next World Cup? Ken Owens, same sort of uh, profile. Just they got those guys are slightly perhaps slightly older than uh, than this pair. Um, I think these two guys will be about 32 when a World Cup comes around, something like that. Mm. Um, Wales pushing it. When you look at the um, uh, you look at the centre position um, of Halololo, Wales are really short in that position. That is a position where we need strength. We need a ball playing centres. And, uh, you know, we are, it's a, uh, a position of concerns we going forward. You've got Jonathan Davis out, out now with another serious uh, knee injury. Don't know what the future holds for him. Scott Williams had a serious back injury. 
he's not a, uh, in his squad. And Pivak made the point of explaining that he rung Scott Williams to explain his mission to him and what he needs to do to get in a Six Nations squad. And as he pointed out, he's worked with Scott. He worked for Scott for uh, four years at the Scala. They won a Pro 12 title, etc. He knows everything he can do about him. So that's a, a reason. It'd be like the same as Dan Lydia. He's not on a squad, but you could, you know, you could pick him for a Six Nations game and you know exactly what he's going to do. So I don't think you leaving those guys out I don't think it really matters uh, and I think the importance is if you are seriously considering Hallow about playing in the Six Nations you've got to look at him now and probably the same with Nichols so I think you've got to you know you've got you if those guys are available why not pick him you know you're just cutting off your nose to fight your space Right, and just a final point then on the squad before we move on a little bit. Uh, as we've touched on, 22 players from the Rugby World Cup squad uh, are involved in the squad uh, next week. Are you surprised that the number is that high, given um, you know all the sort of the the physical and mental strain that they were under for a number of weeks? The fact that they're not being made available to their regions, which has annoyed a lot of regional rugby fans, and I, I can personally see see their point a little bit. Well, are you surprised that there are tw- as many as 22? Uh, players in this squad who were involved in the World Cup? No. Would you like to explain that point? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, why, why, why not? You know, I, look, I'll come clean on this. I don't think this match will be taking place. I think these boys should be uh, playing for their uh, regions. Uh, no, I'm not surprised at all. Look at England playing a World Cup final. Henry Slade plays for Exeter the following week. Uh, last weekend, most of those English players, oh, I think it was 12, was it 12 of their World Cup yeah, starting sure. team, something like that, all played. In Europe, where's, it, where's most of our boys? Oh, on holiday or whatever. Mm. You know, sorry if you can get it, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, the professional rugby players at the end of the day, I would have thought some of these boys would be chomping at a bit to play. That They will want to play. They, they don't want to miss big matches. And uh, yeah, why not? You know, they, in the regions, I feel so sorry for the regions and their supporters. They must wonder, you know, almost what's the point? Because you go and watch your region play in Europe on against Pro 14 and they're depowered because uh, players not available. I'm not saying they should have been available straight away, but I think they could have built in uh, uh, rest periods, not necessarily a little bit straight away, and then blocks later in the, seat in the campaign. So, yeah, I feel uh, sorry for them. And, uh, you know, Ireland players, I mean, okay, they went out the World Cup a couple of weeks before Wales, but they are back playing. And the Scots, did they? Oh, well, did the Scots, were they at the World Cup? All right, then moving on uh, from the squad a little bit. Um, Wayne Pivak and his coaching staff had their first press conferences today uh, in their new roles. Um, Lots of media interest, obviously, up there. All the coaches uh, up there and available uh, to speak to. um, Some of the WRU hierarchy knocking around as well. Um, Wayne Pivak, then, what, what did you make in general terms of his first press conference, his mannerisms, the way he was with the press, the, the sort of vibe that you got from him? Oh, great. You know, funny, engaging, open. He's just a good bloke. You know, I've known Wayne when he was uh, when he was um, Fiji coach, when he came over years ago with, um, uh, with Fiji to play uh, Wales. And, uh, you know, he's sort of bloke. You get a sense straight away, a really likeable bloke. You know, back then, likeable bloke, open bloke, you know, uh, good company, I would say. You know, I think you can have a chat with Wayne Pivot about anything. He's open, engaging, uh, but he's also as well, he's a, he's a bright bloke and he is a confident bloke. And, uh, you know, I, he, he, he talked today about the um, about the pressure job and uh, and uh, how, how he's, you know, he's confident he can deal with it. And he was very good. Everything he's said today 
was um, was excellent. And you know, I think he's quite warm towards the media. He, in fact, I'd say he quite likes dealing with the uh, uh, media. And I'm sure you know he's got a good uh, uh, good relationship. I'm excited about the rain because I look at this squad and I know the players are coming through the system. I particularly look at that 2016 under 20 team. Some good young players out there. What we do need is the regions to get going, which will boost the confidence uh, even more. But Wales have got a good. Um, you know, good foundations for the uh, future. Um, like I would say, England have got the best foundations because they've done so well in under-20 World uh, Cups and they got the playing numbers. France are going to be dangerous in a couple of years, but they are rebuilding now. Ireland are going to face a major rebuilding job. I think they're going to rely on Dad's army doing the Six Nations, but after that, they're going to have to be really rebuild. Scotland is uh, Scotland, and I do see Italy improving uh, improving a bit because the age-grade teams are getting better and they always have win matches. So that's going to happen over time. So Wales is actually, in a re- I'd say Wales is in, a, you know, the England in the best position in Europe, followed by Wales. So I really think that uh, I don't think it's going to be all doom and gloom. And let's face it, in this Six Nations now, we've got the three Blues, France, uh, Italy, who we start with, and Scotland in Cardiff. You'd want to win those matches. And, uh, you know, I'd certainly be looking for Wales to, um, uh, to to win at least one of the other games. And, you know, England are all no fears for Wales, uh, mm. psychologically. All right, now let's touch a little bit on uh, what Pivak had to say then. Obviously, one of the general themes of the press conference today was, um, as it has been for the last few weeks really, is, is Pivak's job now to build on what has come before. We all know the success that Wales had under Warren Gatland and, and he was quizzed quite a lot today on, on what he what sort of stamp he is going to put on the side and, and there was a repeating question that kept coming up in his answers that he was asking himself every time he considered what they were going to do and, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, there is a balancing act, isn't there? Um, look, we're, we're excited to be uh, uh, in with a new coaching group, or well, I'm excited to be in with a new coaching group, and we've talked long and hard about um, how we can add value to what is already a, a successful rugby team. So everything we're doing, we're throwing that question at it, I guess. Uh, are we adding value? Um, if something's not broken, then we move on. And, uh, you know, the, the beauty of having been in this position behind the scenes, I guess, for over 12 months now is that it's going to be plenty of time to have lots of meetings, uh, discuss a lot of rugby issues with a lot of people um, and to find the views of many uh, and then to add that into the pool of information, I guess, so that we can hopefully make some good decisions going forward. But we definitely want to evolve the game with the ball. That's something that we're going to try and do. Um, that'll take time and we look forward to that challenge. So Andy, uh, Wayne Pivak there talking about um, asking himself uh, what is this going to add in terms of value every time he makes a decision around the squad and if things are not broke, let's not mess with them, let's move on to the next thing. Um, How much is going to change, do you think, under Pivak and and how much do you think should change under Wayne Pivak? Well, obviously they need to keep a solid defence, though the defence actually didn't really perform at the World Cup. You know, that's the worst it had been during the Gatland era consistently. Um, so the defence if anything actually does need shoring up a bit now and I'm sure that uh, you know that's where Byron Awa and Sam uh, Warburton's got a big role in that uh, they come into it uh, what we'll still need they still need to improve their scrimmaging and they need to um, uh, improve their work with the ball be more dangerous in attack and less predictable let's face facts Wales were predictable in attack under Warren Gatland and we pivot be looking to evolve we're obviously full personnel but also getting up off the, with when he win turnovers, the transition, where the Scarlets were really good when they won the Pro 12 title under him, was when they got that ball, they get back on their feet, 
so quickly and they outnumber the defense and they were really good at that so it's a really rapid transi- transition which Pivak and Stephen Jones are responsible uh, for so they will be looking for that sort of thing he said today that uh, obviously he wants a game for all courts so if you're playing under the roof of the Principality Stadium perfect conditions you can look to be more expansive if you're playing at in Dublin, it's pouring down with rain. You're going to have to kick the ball a lot. That's reality. And as you, you were there at the World Cup, you saw against South Africa, sometimes you get matches where the teams cancel each other out. So it ends up being a lot of kicking, just a war of, of um, attrition. So you're forced into that t- sort of game. And I, I don't care who that is. That can be the Springboks or South Africa. Sometimes they are forced into that mm-hmm. sort of game. You know, you, you perhaps don't want to play. So he's got a, he's got to um, decide the type of game he's played, but he's also got to pick a type of players who can play a certain game. If he's going to be expansive and he's going to get the ball, want to get the ball wider and attack more, that's where people like McNichol uh, come into it. Plus, in the long term, that's where ball handlers in the forwards like Basham come into it. Shane Lewis-Hughes, Rob Evans is back in the squad. If you're going to play that game, which Wales did try to play for a little spell in about 2017 with Gatland and Howley, you know, you've got the hands of people like Rob Evans, Corey Yellow, unfortunately he's injured a minute. You've got to have skill forwards who can play that tip-top passing game as well. So, it's, yeah, for that expansive game, he's got the personnel there. It's like, you know, if, if your strength is all forwards, is your forwards, and your backs can't pass the ball, they've got wooden hands, etc., when you play through your pack. <laughs> like Pontypool, the old, you know, the older people listening to this, Pontypool, the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 90s, they played for their pack because that was the strength of their team. And Ethy played for their backs because that was the strength of their team. Same with Cardiff. Because, you know, you've got to play to your, to your strengths, personnel. But, um, you know, if Wales can uh, solve the problem they've got perhaps in the centre, that will go a long way to playing a wider game. All right. Now, one of the one of the other things that I was keen to get into with him today was you know, there's a lot going on in Welsh rugby at the moment. And I, I wondered what he felt the biggest challenge he was facing coming into this job was, and, and this was his response. Uh, maintaining the behaviour in the coaching office, to be honest. <laughs> the, uh, well, this morning's a great example. There was so much laughter in there, I thought we must have won the World Cup. But um, I think it's just excitement about getting in and finally... Uh, uh, getting to work but um, no look it's going to be uh, I think managing expectation early I think um, a lot of people are going to expect us to be throwing the ball around uh, willy nilly I don't think that's uh, going to be the case I think it's going to be horses for course as I said we've got to get ourselves into the position where we create opportunities and then play to our strengths which hopefully will be a wide game as well as being able to have a power game uh, to go with it all right, Andy. So we heard uh, Wayne Pivak saying there that uh, expectation management is going to be one of the big things um, that he's going to have to look at in the coming uh, months. I guess <laughs> professional sport is such a, a performance and results-based uh, industry. The, the question really is how much time is is Pivak likely to be afforded by by Welsh rugby fans? Because by their very nature, sports fans are not normally patient. Well, they'll be up in arms if Wales lose the Barbarians. Yeah, that's the reality. Of, in, of pro sport and international uh, uh, sport what will Wales fans be happy with six nations minimum of winning their three own matches I would suggest um, but you know I think Pivak he might, he might be saying about managing expectations but he would certainly want to win those three own matches and you know he's probably and win a couple you know he, believe, he must believe Wales can win that title so uh, but expectations Wales fans starting off beat the Barbarians 
win three old matches at least during the Six Nations and then of course Wales go New Zealand on tour and I wouldn't have thought many people will be expecting them to win over there even though New Zealand will be embarking on a major rebuilding exercise themselves and I think their first opponents are Wales so it could be a good time to play them mm. Alright then just back to the, the squad for a second then and um, one thing we didn't touch on was was the fly halves um, obviously two guys there who um been in and around the squad in the last few years but not really involved particularly much a big chance yeah Sam Davis and uh, Jared Evans Jared Evans was in an extended World Cup squad didn't make the cut for the uh, did tour. you did you feel like that was that was um, harsh on Jared Evans the way that played out or or was that you know Gatland only had a limited number of games to, to pick his back up play after bigger and and in the end, it had to be a straight shootout because it, it did feel a little bit brutal on Jared Evans, the way that that all unfolded. Yeah, it did, but I think that was going to always be the case. I think he had to go with uh, Patchell as long as Patchell came on and did well in that game because just experienced a number of caps and uh, been around the international scene for a few uh, few years. I think that, that you know that was the reality. Jared named, Evans would need to do something really special to have got on that uh, squad. You know, whether or not he had a licence to do something special in his... Uh, in his appearance, I'm not. I'm not sure, but I think he was always going to be up 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 against it. And uh, you know, when he marked players down, who likely to get cut uh, before the squad was named. I'm afraid he would have been uh, one of them when the extended squad was actually uh, was actually um, actually picked. Um, you know, I think that affected him a bit as well negatively being out because he hadn't been performing too well for the Blues. But the last couple of weekends, he's uh, last couple of weeks, he's got his uh, mojo back. Uh, 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 a, a, a little and uh, you know he seemed to be gained some uh, uh, confidence and then you've got Sam Davis signed for the Dragons uh, from the Ospreys I think that's rejuvenated him as well a little and he's playing uh, an improving team there's ups and downs but the improving team the weekend I covered their game against uh, they had a good win against Cast his goal kicking was uh, immaculate I must say it was excellent he was a bit hit and miss in some other aspects of his game but I think when he's uh, if he's uh, when he's got confidence he can really control the game uh, he's got a lovely delayed pass and other stuff and he would benefit from having uh, playing alongside some uh, you know good, really good players because like Evans he, who, Evans is a really good runner mind I must say that his pavement got ability to put runners into holes which is a key runners into holes and the opposition you know it's hard for the opposition to get a hand on them it's all about timing and both those guys on top of their game got timing so it's a huge opportunity for them it's no Garth Anscombe or Reece, uh, for the whole Six Nations Patchell's going to miss a lot of Six Nations so it's Dan Bigger or one of this pair you'd suspect or, or maybe one of the youngsters who's playing in England who are not available for this game but you would suspect it'd be between these, these two and the old and Dan Bigger so this is a big opportunity for whoever plays in this game or if they have 40 minutes each or whatever to make a statement and show they can work with the centres that uh, Wales will pick for this, uh, uh, this match. You know, they're two exciting, uh, two exciting players and I'm really looking forward to seeing them play. Uh, and for them, uh, what I'd like as well for those boys to be given a licence to play, which I think Pivot will do that with Stephen Jones. Mm. Now, one, one guy not... Uh one of the players not available um, to Wayne Pivak, Captain Alan Wynne Jones, um, not selected. We know we learn he's got a groin injury. Um, Alan Wynne was always going to get six weeks off from the end of the World Cup, but I understand now that that, that could be longer, uh, depending on how these injuries and niggles clear up. So, w- what do we? 
think of the way that Alan Wynn is going to be managed from now on. Obviously, he's got this contract with WRU and the Ospreys taking him up to 2021. Mm. Um, they're going to have to look after him a lot now, aren't they, to, to prolong his international career? Uh, yeah, I mean, said earlier about these boys should, guys should be back playing for the Regis already. I'm making, I'm making exemption for Alan Jones at his age, and he has uh, got this knock. And I think he's more or less on really actually on a central contract. I'm not sure if he's even a dual contract. So uh, you could argue he's a Wales player who's just loaned out to region now and again. And um, uh, Alan Wynn, yeah, he's going to have to be managed uh, carefully, although he's a player actually produces his best rugby when he's playing regularly because he gets into a rhythm. Mm. Um, if, we're, you know, Alan Wynn's immediate plan is clearly to try and make that Lions squad in two years' time. But you know what uh, Warren Gatlin is like? If he doesn't think Alan Wynn is up to the job, he is ruthless, he will not pick him. He will not pick him on sentiment. And uh, and I think what Pivot said today, Alan Wynn-Jones is his captain, uh, you know, into the immediate future. Um uh, and he's got a, a big part to play at this moment in time. That's why they recontracted him. And I think he has got a big part to play with Wales doing the trans, uh, you know, transition from one year to another because he is the leader of the, the squad. And you know, he's a um, he's a type of uh, I guess uh, a person who can manage the other players who they look up to and all the rest of it. So I don't think there's any uh, possibility of there being like a player revolt when you've got no, uh, Alan Wynne-Jones as your captain. Yeah, definitely not. You know, and what was interesting from Warren Gatlin's uh, autobiography, and I must say it's a quite an, it's an open, <laughs> it's a good read, good book, and uh, there's that, uh, it struck me in there, in an autobiography, what good blokes Alan Wynne-Jones and Jonathan Fox Davis are because of what Gatlin says about him the pair of them and he's like oh god you know and Alan Wynne-Jones every time he gets elected for Wales he always went up to Warren Gatland shaking him by the hand and said thanks for the opportunity and to me that is brilliant you know he actually shows Alan Wynne-Jones does not take anything for granted what yeah. it means to him definitely we're definitely not uh, in the process of attempting to retire the Wales skipper you're just talking about how the next uh, yeah, few yeah, years are going to be what, managed what pivot will hope for mine is that Alan Wynne Jones gets eased out of the team by players coming along who are playing better than him, you know? Like yeah, like your Adam Beers, like your Corey Hills, like your um Shane uh, Lewis Hughes that he will want, isn't it? It's the old tale in it about the Wild West, the gunfighters, top gunfighter at the end, someone always comes along at the end and shoots them down. Mm. You know, you want to ease those players out as they get older. Well my per- my personal opinion is that if it ever gets anywhere near that stage, I think you'll walk away. Um but I think he's he's got plenty left in the tank. I got to be honest. Yeah, I think so. He he's, wants to do a Simon Shaw, you know, play for the Lions in South Africa two and nine when he's about thirty eight. Alan wins goal. You can see is that's why he signed a two year deal. It's on that Lions, and if he's still in top shape then, and uh, you know he 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 could be tempted, possibly maybe tempted by another two years to try and get the <laughs> next World Cup. But th- that is a big ass mind. Yeah, the World Cup. But it's great to have him available for the next two years. I tell you what, you certainly won back against Alan Wynne Jones on that Lions tour, would you? Um, just moving on then, um, Wayne Pivak wasn't the only Wales coach who was up for press today up at the Vale. Um, all his backroom staff were there as well. Uh, Jonathan Humphreys, a new forwards coach, of course, uh, was present and taking questions. Um, it was interesting to hear his take on, on the sort of uh, the way that they're going to go about developing young players and the work that they've already done, the coaching staff, in going around the regions and looking at the age grade system and the players that are coming through there. Here's what Jonathan Humphreys had to say. What about uh, the strength and depth of the front row? How do you see that at the moment? Um, 
Look, uh, I, I'd want to see more. And I think what um, what Wayne's talking about is is our relationships, you know, with the regions, with eight, under 18s, with under 20s. I think that's that's pivotal for us to develop that strength. Um, so you know, that 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 to me is is something that I that, that I need to work hard with. And I I've been around all the the forwards coaches, all the regions there, and, and I've been very very impressed with them. I've been very impressed with how welcoming they are. Um, so it's good. You know, I've really enjoyed that. You know, because I finished in June, so I've been working since this day with it. So it's it's good. I think there's a lot of scope for improvement there. All right, Andy. So we heard Jonathan Humphreys there talking about um, having to utilise uh, the regions, getting in there, and really looking at the youngsters coming through. Now that that sounds like a really nice thing to say, but how much opportunity are they going to actually have to to really look at these youngsters? Given that the the pressure that's put on them to perform, it's always a balance in professional sport in terms of getting those results whilst like bringing through the next um, the next wave of talent. How, how are they going to manage that? I think they will be able to because already they're finding, you know, there's a lot of downtime when you're a part of a Wales uh, uh, coaching setup outside of uh, uh, campaigns and all these blokes, Pivot included, they all like doing on-field coaching. That, that's what, uh, you know, they love the most about the job. So they're going to be, what they're going to be, they want to be out there in, around the regions, around the age groups and doing some coaching at those levels as well, helping out the coaching, looking at all, they intend to be hands-on and their idea is to help improve the regions by doing work with them. A lot, perhaps more work than the previous uh, regime was uh, doing. I was talking to Byron Hayward today, known him since he was like Wales uh, youth, and he said to me, he said, oh, I've been a bit, uh, you know, I want to be out there coaching, that's what I do all the, all the time. This is different to like uh, coaching at the Scarlets, so let's get out there and give an hand. You know, and I know Stephen Jones, he just loves coaching, doesn't he? Bring people along, Jonathan Humphrey's the same. So these boys, I think, are willing and want to get around the regions and work with the age grades to improve Welsh rugby as it's come along. And I know that is part of Pivot's master plan. And obviously Stephen Jones, attack coach, uh, was up there today as well. Stephen obviously came in during the World Cup in Japan um, and touched a little bit on the things that he learned from uh, from that few weeks he spent in Warren Gatland's camp. But it was very much... Uh, uh, right in at the deep end there for, for Stephen Jones. Um, not many people are better placed to talk about the pressure that's put on a Welsh team to perform, uh, not only to win, but to win in a certain style as well, having played fly half for Wales for many years. Uh, here's what he had to say on that front. Well, I think international rugby winnings of huge importance. It's, uh, you know, we're all fully aware of that, and uh, you know, uh, you know, the Welsh jersey, the responsibility that goes with that. But from an attacking perspective, what we've got to do is we've got to be smart. We've got our options to play different ways. You know, whether it be more ball movement, whether it be a power game, whether it be shaping teams from our kicking game. You know, we have to have the complete package, and uh, you know, that's what we're going to be continue challenging ourselves as a coaching group to deliver. And it's making sure that when the players take the pitch they, they've got confidence in what we've trained and they can transfer that to their performance Alright then Andy let's discuss then in in general terms we, we both had a good uh, opportunity to speak to the new coaches up there today um, what was the general vibe that you got from all of them I know obviously you will have covered uh, quite a few of their careers as players uh, let alone as coaches so you know them quite well what what do you make of it? Yeah the enthusiasm you know the enthusiasm they're passion and they're all capable blokes and they all had successful, uh, highly successful careers as uh, players. Stephen Jones, he said to me today, 
He said, I can remember the first game you covered of me, Wales under-18s playing at Bridge End. I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so then Stephen, I remember him signing for Lanesty then as an 18-year-old, and they put him up in a bucket with some big names they'd signed up in the air. JCB talking photos of him. Never allow it today with health and safety, Matt. <laughs> and then Jonathan Humphreys, Hum for knowing from the days of uh, South Glamorgan Institute, which is now Cardiff Met. And Hum actually... Wales in 1996, same year actually, as Stephen was signed by the Lanethi. Hanf was Wales uh, captain. We went to Australia on tour. It was the first tour I covered. Hanf was captain. He wrote a column for the Western Mail. I penned his column. I was his ghostwriter. And I tell you what, that bloke put his body on the line. That uh, he, used to, uh, he was killing the ball over there. And it was back in the days when rucking was allowed. And he had such a shoe in. They played the Brumbies in uh, Canberra and got shipped I think it was quite close at half time Wales ended up shipping I think it was 68 points and Humph came into the press conference out of the match well he didn't come into the press conference out of the match he was carried into it <laughs> because they'd stamped all over him he was honestly now he was black and blue all over he took his shoulders everything and he couldn't walk because they'd stamped all on his leg and everything and he'd also broke his hand but he was that tough he played in a test match I think it was the following weekend and a week after that with a broken hand Hmm. He was that dedicated, of course. And it was a f- back then, fantasy rugby was a big thing, you know, in newspapers before the internet, man. <laughs> and uh, there used to be a team used to do well every year, and it was called Offside Humphreys because Humphreys used to live on the edge. <laughs> but, you know, so he, he, they, I've known him, well, Byron Hayward, I've known him for, uh, since he was youth as well. You know, I've been on tour with uh, uh, Byron. Uh, I think we shared a room and all. Me, him, Kingsley Jones, scrapping in a room and all that, you know, and the rest of it. Great lads. And I know these blokes. The one thing I know about these blokes as well, they're totally 100% committed to the course. They will work their socks off. So, uh, you know, I, I hope they do well because they're all uh, uh, good lads and it's been a privilege, you know, covering their career so far. And let's hope that, uh, you know, that they can uh, keep doing and build on what Gatlin is doing. Mm. All right, then with all that in mind, then finally, and let's just discuss what we think we can expect to see on uh, November the th- November the thirtieth, uh, when the barbarians come to town. Warren Gatlin's barbarians, mm. uh, no less. Um, what, what do you think we're going to see on on that day, and um, you know how high should our expectations be? I think Wales will throw the ball about a bit in our match, but I think they will. Uh, they'll be going on a pitch to win it because um, there's no way. That, uh, that Wayne will want to lose to Gatland his first match and the Welsh supporters will demand that uh, uh, Wales win so he, he could get, you know Wales could start that match with a lot of World Cup players they, you know if I as I look at that now I would suspect that either Ken Owens or Justin Tipperidge is going to be captain mm. you know and reading between the lines what was said uh, today I'll be surprised if it's not assuming both of those play I would imagine one of them, one of them would be captain so I think he will start off with quite a, a, a strong team and he will have some youngsters on the bench and he will hope to introduce them and have a look at it uh, the interesting selections are going to be the uh, halfbacks who's going to be the scrum half out of you know Gaz Davis and probably Thomas Williams there's Ali Davis as well but I'd say it'd be the other between the other two and who starts at uh, outside uh, half the excitement could be provided then by the um, uh, the introduction of Halo Olo and Johnny McNichol I think if you're going to pick them they might as well, you may as well start with them so uh, we could see Hallelow in midfield there and Johnny Mc- McNichol the other bloke as well um, is I wonder what position that they're going to use Owen Lane in are they going to consider him as a winger or back in his original position of centre where he could have a big future for Wales yeah okay so plenty of interesting points of course this goes a little bit quiet now for the next few days on the international front and we're back concentrating on the regions towards the end of the week and then 
Obviously, next week, building up to that game against the Barbarians, Wales will be in to a proper test week and there'll be all media access and we'll be able to bring you all the latest from their camp. But as I suggested, we're back into the regions this weekend and we'll be bringing you another podcast uh, later this week. If you did enjoy the episode, of course, don't forget to head over to iTunes or your podcast provider and give us a little review and a bit of a comment. We always appreciate hearing what you guys think of it all. So as we said, then it's going to be a busy couple of weeks now in Welsh rugby and you can catch it all, of course on Wales Online.